What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Windshield Factor Podcast. I am your host, Justice General, and I have a very, 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 very special guest today. One of my favorite guys from Twitter, um, somebody whose work I've, I've been uh, appreciating from afar, but uh, over the last couple of months, we've kind of gotten more in contact and communicated a little bit more, and um, he's, he's one of the best guys out there. Uh, t- Mr. Tilt Money, you want to <laughs> introduce yourself, bro? Damn, man, that was uh, that was pretty nice of you to say all that stuff about me. Uh, yeah, uh, my name's David Tilton. I'm on Twitter on at Tilt Money. Uh, I'm part of the Buffalo Fanatics uh, content network. Uh, you probably know my partner in crime as well. Steve Mathis goes by Judge Mathis on Twitter. We do a YouTube show uh, live twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. We cover everything from roster building the draft um you know player analysis free agent analysis we kind of we kind of do like the long form um deep dive into the roster uh, as kind of our lane and so uh yeah man we've been chatting a little bit lately and um you know you guys have been putting out some really cool videos and i think that's probably what started our um conversations honestly and you kind of inspired me to start getting back into my um, photo editing. Um, oh wow! Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, because I, I used to, I used to do that like a while back. I was like really big into like web design and photo editing and all this stuff. And like, I was like, man, I need to get, I need to get back into that. And so you, 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 and the guys at Built in Buffalo kind of inspired me to start picking up that hobby again. And um, and so yeah, man, it's been, it's been good. It's been fun, and um, I'm like, I'm excited to be on here with you. It's interesting because I actually wanted to, you know, talk to you about that later in the pod. I didn't want to like uh, start off with it, but if you go in there, absolutely. Um, <laughs> like I was uh, going to ask you about that. Like those edits are like super cool, and I'm not that advanced to editing yet, so I really don't uh, know how <laughs> you even get to that point. But like mm-hmm. uh, I remember the one like Josh Allen with like the thunder. I'm I'm colorblind, so please forgive me if I'm wrong. But I think it was like green thunder, maybe. Uh, it was, it was like blue. It was like a bluish green. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So yeah. I'm not too far off, but no. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Like I was I was very impressed. So um, hey, man, I, I really I'm glad that I could you know start your creative juices flowing. <laughs> it, yeah, man. Honestly, the um the Josh Allen one was kind of like. I didn't know how that one was going to turn out. I just kind of was messing around. Mm-hmm. And and then I was like, you know what? I got to like, I got to, you know, take this to another level. And then I did the digs one the, with the fire. And um, that one, I like people don't realize like how much work goes into these things. Right. I Absolutely. spent like, a, I spent like a week on that, honestly. Um, so that digs one, like compared to the Josh Allen one, um, actually was like probably, you know, five times more intensive to make than, than the other, but uh, I was pretty happy with how it turned out. I think people liked it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot, man. It's like, you gotta like sit down and sometimes you like spend an hour or two on at a time on it and you feel like you, you don't make a lot of progress, but it's just like little things here and there. So, um, I enjoy doing it. It's, it's the process, man, as we always say, it's, you gotta enjoy it. So. I don't know what my next one's going to be. I kind of, uh, maybe I'll like do a little quick, uh, reveal here on your show. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, th- I'm, I'm, th- I'm trying to do like, a um, like a snow theme one, like a might be chilly themed, uh, okay. one right, for Steve my next Tester. one. 
Yeah, and I don't know. I'm not going to say what player it's going to be, but that's kind of the that's kind of the theme I'm going to go f- go for for my next one. So we'll see. Okay, you've heard it here first, <laughs> David Tilton. It's going to be snow themed. It's going it's going to be chilly. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully that comes soon. Um, and I definitely <laughs> understand if there's anybody who understands what you mean by the amount of time it takes to go into editing. Man, it is. It's 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 really a, a grind. Um, so, trust me, I, I totally have a lot of appreciation for uh, you know your work. But the way it turns out is always awesome. So you know it it, it the the work may be a lot, but uh, the reward will definitely be there for you, especially if you keep going at the rate you're going because you, you got some pretty awesome stuff out there. Not to mention you have like the best podcasting voice ever. Like I thought it was like just on YouTube. I was like, wow, like he has a really, really cool voice. But now I'm hearing you like in person. It's like, oh, wow, it's not like a fake. It wasn't a fluke. Like you really sound like that. It's, 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 a, awesome. good, it's a good microphone. <laughs> I, I invested in a good microphone. We'll, we'll say that. I uh, I don't know how good my voice really is. I actually hate my own voice, honestly. But um, no, nah, man, you have a great podcaster voice, bro. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> no problem, man. Uh, so basically, I just wanted to get into the draft. Um, I know you had uh, some opinions on the draft. Uh, how did? What do you think about uh, the route we went as far as you know, two immediate pass rushers, then uh, a couple big beefy guys down the line, and a couple skills guys to end it off. Yeah, you know it's interesting because um, you know we talk about the edge rushers, and we definitely needed one. Um, it you know right at the end of that first round, we go with Rousseau, not necessarily the guy that I kind of had in mind there, I was thinking, you know, with the bills, the way they were linked to Washington, that maybe they would go for Joe Tryon at that spot if they were going to go edge rusher, but, or even Jason away. And it was kind of interesting to me how like those last three picks in the first round were all those three edge rushers, right? It was Rousseau, it was away and it was Tryon. Um, So I would have actually been happy with any of those. So the thing that was really cool was when Basham fell to us in the second round, Right. I actually had Basham rated higher than Rousseau in my personal rankings, which a lot of people did. I mean, it doesn't mean anything, but I mean, the fact that he was still there, I mean, you saw the bills embedded video where Bean was like, we can't, you know, we can't pass up, pass him up. Right. Like we're really doing this. And so at first I was kind of like, man, that's, I don't know if that's a waste, but then the more I thought about it, I'm like, man, that's not a waste at all because like you got Addison who, who's up there in years and don't really know what his future is going to be. Jerry, Jerry's up there in years. And mm-hmm. he'll be gone soon. And honestly, like, what else do you really have other than AJ Epinesa as far as young guns on that line that are really, like, um, of upper echelon talent, right? I know there's, like, the Mike Loves and the Brian Cox Juniors on the roster, but, like, upper echelon-type specimens, like, you don't have much. So um, I was, you know, I was kind of happy about that. When we went tackle with Spencer Brown, I was a little surprised because, like, everybody – you know, everybody pegged the Bills needing interior line help. But again, we lost um, Ty and Secchi to free agency, don't really have a true swing tackle on the roster. And so when I started kind of reflecting on that pick, I was like, well, you know, Josh Allen is is the franchise. And if something were to happen to, let's say, Daryl Williams or to Deion Dawkins, like you need to have a guy in, waiting in the on-deck circle who can come in and really – either that swing right tackle or left tackle to protect Josh, right? Because the way I sort of, um, 
you know, the way I sort of kind of not justified, but the way I sort of thought through that pick was like that third lineman who's like first off the bench at either tackle spot is, is could be more valuable than say like a seventh or eighth receiver or a seventh or eighth defensive back. Right. Because Definitely. that yeah. guy can come in and like, you, you know, you need to protect Josh. I was, a, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little, um, I was a little, I was questioning when we picked Doyle, right? With when we picked another tackle, because there was still there were some guys I thought maybe we could have picked over him. But again, they love the Raz score. They love the athleticism of Doyle. Obviously, there's a history of Bobby Johnson there with Miami, Miami, Ohio. So I'm not totally surprised that he was the pick. But the theme really throughout was like the Bills went with like really athletic guys, and then on yeah. day three, I thought they really. Now, I wouldn't say redeem themselves is the wrong way to put it, but they really kind of rounded out the draft and balanced it out with getting guys in the secondary, getting the receiver in Stevenson, right, and getting that finally getting that interior offensive lineman in Anderson who has some center flex as well. So I thought in day three they really rounded it out, and by trading down out of the – um, you know, by trading down out of the fifth, getting that extra sixth, having those three sixth rounders in the fifth, um, I mean – to me, that was a smart move because of how the board was falling. The one, the one thing that I, you know, wish they would have done. And again, I'm just a guy, right? But I, I, I was, I was definitely on like the go for a CB two early train. That, yeah. like, that, that was me. Like I was definitely on that train. Like I was like edge and CB two early for me. Mm-hmm. So they went edge first. I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then in the second round. I was like, okay, Asante Samuel, if he Melon Fon, like, can we get yeah. one of these guys? And if he was there at 61, if he was there at 93. And so <laughs> it was like, I wanted, I wanted that CB2, but you know what? It's okay. Um, we, we got a good class. I think it's a good haul. Um, you watch the embedded video and you kind of, you kind of, kind of fall in love with some of these guys and the win, you can understand why they picked them. So, Time will obviously tell how good this draft class will pan out. And I don't know that you're going to know a ton in 2021 about how it's going to pan out. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. We probably definitely won't know how this draft class pans out maybe for a couple of years. And the, the one thing I think that is overlooked about it is that as a football team, we're, we're a great football team, but it's because we have like generational players, a couple of them, right? Everybody else is kind of like average to to good, but not great. You know what I mean? But um, our offensive defensive lines are definitely probably our weaker units in terms of the entire football team. And so I, I what I'm thinking in my head is that Bean saw that you know, they weren't super physical up front on either side of the ball. Uh, you go get some big, huge guys that are athletic, you know, that, that are powerful, that can, you know, shift the balance of power on the, on the line because what happened last year versus KC in the regular season, our offensive line got blew up and our defensive line got blew up. It's kind of like a, a both things. So you, I, I felt like you're trying to balance that out. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But I, I'm with you, man. I was waiting for <laughs> I feed two metal finally to fall. Like, and then the, there was the um, Jason. I'm sorry, um, the joke, um, JOK and the oh, linebacker yeah. in the first round. Yeah. I was expecting him to come to us, but and then also what you said about the cornerback too. I was actually expecting us to do 
back to back quarterback twos instead of, or I'm sorry, back to back quarterbacks instead of back to back defensive ends, but they, they went the other route. And looking back on it, I'm not mad, but yeah, it definitely was a shock on draft night. I'll say that. <laughs> it was a shock for sure. I mean, I don't think people, people are, you could tell people were not upset that they got Basham, right? Because everyone loved Basham. Mm-hmm. It was like the fact that they doubled up on edge. But now I think people have kind of come around to the idea and it's like, look, we're gonna we're gonna do what we can with at the CB2 position. I've mentioned this to on our show before. It's like if you think about the coaching staff, like what's the one position that they probably feel the that they can coach up the most without having the premier talent, it's probably the secondary, right? So it's like yeah, you, you, you figure like, hey, like we've they've gotten by with Levi Wallace as a starter for three years in a row and mixing and matching in Josh Norman and Dane Jackson and, and other guys like Philip Gaines and Vontae Davis. Like they've been able to get away with that and still have a top-tier defense. So I think the coaching staff's probably like, look, like secondary is our bread and butter. We can get away with like, a really elite CB one and then just, um, you know, see, you know, patch together to CB two is, is that's my yeah. thought anyway. And Levi isn't awful. You know, he's not a bad floor to have at the CB two position. Um, we just would like a, you know, a dominant CB two to kind of round out the dominant secondary that we have. Uh, so I don't think that that's, you know, I don't think that I, I think that is, is, fair for like a Bills fan to have the assessment that, hey, okay, I'm watching Tredavious White not get beat very often. I'm watching Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde not getting beat over the top very often. But then on the other side of the field, there seems to be a lot of activity. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, I don't think it's it's uh, too much to ask to see if we can go get another CB2. Although I do want to ask you, how do you feel about uh, Dan Jackson in the coming year? I like Dane. I I have high hopes for him. I think the difference between I think the difference between like a guy like Dane and a guy like Josh Norman last year is that you there's an there it's the unknown, right? Josh Norman mm-hmm. was gonna be I mean Josh Norman was gonna be the you know, the reclamation project, if you will, for the Bills. And it was gonna be like, okay, let's see if he can revive his career. Yeah under McDermott and where he like originally thrived. Right. And so the difference with Dane is that Dane's really just an unknown. He's a, he's a lower round draft pick. We liked what we saw in limited time from him last year, but he's still a pretty unknown commodity right overall. So while I think the fan base rightfully has high hopes for him because of the glimpses they saw from him last year, I think it's more telling that the coaching staff didn't invest high draft capital in the, in the CB2 than is anything that we've really seen yet from Dean Jackson. I think they really believe he can be a guy that competes for that position or they really that or they would have addressed it, you know. Right. The, the, the thing is is <laughs> Levi Wallace just seems to keep fending off whoever that is that comes in. Yeah. That so he it's does. like it's just like he fended off Josh Norman to an extent he fended off other like Philip Gain like he's fended off guys in the past and and you just kind of have to give him some credit that guy started 35 games over the last three years and he's just not going to go away so I I'm interested in that battle this year I thought for sure last year that Norman was going to be the guy out of the gates as the CB2 and he kind of was but then it went back and forth so 
I don't know, man. The Bills are kind of in, are you know weird with that position. They will rotate guys at cornerback. It's kind of like a, a weird thing. Like not a lot of teams do that. Like they'll put in Josh Norman for a series, then put in you know Levi for a series. So it'll be interesting to see if they do the same thing with like Dane and and Levi this year. Right. And I, you know you did mention uh, Levi's you know started thirty five games. He's also played in thirty five games. So like every single game he's played and he started, which is pretty phenomenal for what is he like a late round pick i think he's like seventh or something udfa man he's udfa he's undrafted okay yeah Yeah. so even crazier you know for an undrafted free agent um speaking of dane jackson i did want to ask you about two maybe three other players uh young guys that are up and coming who uh some people see promising others don't i just want to get your opinion on first up we're going to go uh, Gabe Davis. What, what are you expecting from Gabe Davis? You know, I get asked this question a lot, and I always come back to kind of the same theme, right? Like, Gabriel Davis is a really talented player, and he has, he has as a player, a very high ceiling. I think where we have to be careful with him is expecting that he's going to take some massive leap forward from a statistical perspective, because um, last year, you know, John Brown was there for part of the year. Obviously I know Gabe stepped in more when he was injured, but you know, Brown was there. Beasley was there. Knox was there. Diggs was there and, and Davis was there. And now this year you've got Sanders, you've got Diggs back. You've got Beasley back. You brought in Hollister. We're going to expect maybe a little more from Dawson Knox. So I would expect that Gabriel Davis will be and used in a similar fashion this year as he was last year. I don't think they brought in Emmanuel Sanders just to be a mentor on the bench. Like they're paying him $6 million. He's going to play and he's going to play a lot. So I expect that if we can get similar production at a Gabriel Davis in 2021, maybe a few more of those touchdowns actually stand from all the ones he got (laughs) called back. But I think if we can get similar production from him this year, that that's a success, especially because Josh threw the ball almost 600 times last year as it was. So there's not going to be a ton of more attempts going around from a passing standpoint. So for me, I just want to see him continue um, from a statistical standpoint. If he's about the same as he was last year, that's fine. But I'd like to see him maybe – you know, just continue to develop as like a really reliable target, get rid of some of the, you know, he had a couple drops last year, nothing too egregious, obviously, but he's just got to keep getting better. And I think eventually if the coaching staff sees that he's ready, that he could eventually be the guy that takes over in 22 once Sanders is gone, obviously after that one year deal is over. Right. And honestly, I think that they were comfortable letting uh, John Brown go because a, they were, you know, maybe, you know, uh, getting Sanders, but also I think that they thought that Gabe Davis was a a nice safety net, you know, in case they couldn't get any production out of whatever wide receiver to, whether it be Sanders or whoever they were planning to get. Um, I think that they thought Gabe Davis was a nice safety net uh, because I do expect them to, I do expect him to develop, especially just after I made like the Gabe Davis video, I went back through his college career and what everybody was saying about him and just how quickly he develops. It almost reminded me of watching, uh, you know, people talk about Josh. So it was, it was kind of encouraging and it kind of made me, you know, feel good things, (laughs) but um, I'm really excited for Gabe Davis. Um, Part two to that question. 
I want to ask you about uh, Isaiah Hodgins, who didn't get a chance to play last year. However, he was getting a lot of uh, good praise out of camp, same way Gabe Davis was. So um, do you do you know much about that situation, and uh, what do you think of him? Uh, I really like Hodgins. Uh, after the draft last year, um, Steve and I were actually talking about how you know, we both kind of had Hodgins as like a little bit, uh, not higher rank necessarily, but we kind of liked him more as far as like what he could maybe offer in year one. And obviously it didn't pan out that way. So I've been a Hodgins fan for a while and Gabriel Davis, maybe I was on, maybe I underrated him a bit. And so I will say that if Hodgins can, um, if Hodgins can kind of perform to the extent that he did in camp last year, this year, he's going to, he will make the team. And um, I would be very surprised if he's not one of the final, you know, players on the roster, if he does perform like he did a year ago in camp. Now the question will be is what do you do with a guy like him who is competing with guys like Marquez Stevenson, who's the, who's the new recent draft pick and guys like Isaiah McKenzie for a team that has traditionally only kept six wide receivers. It becomes a numbers game and it's likely that unless the bills veer off what they've done historically, which is to keep six wide receivers, it's likely that out of Hodgins, uh, McKenzie and Stevenson, that only two of those guys are going to make the team. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that battle plays out. But what I like about Hodgins is that he is kind of like, he's, he is kind of a big slot guy, which we, you know, Gabriel Davis played that role a little bit last year, but Hodgins route running was kind of what was his bread and butter coming out of college, right? He was known as like the really pure route runner, whereas Davis was more of the, the straight line kind of guy. And so, okay. Hodgins, if he can show that, that hey, I've still got that route running ability, I can maybe play a big slot role with this team, I can be a red zone threat, then he's got a good chance to make the team because they don't really have the size slot guy outside of Gabriel Davis if they want to move him into that role. But like they have McKenzie, they have Stevenson, they have like these like they have these kind of shorter, twitchier guys already. I think Hodgins can really make a name for himself in the camp and he's got a good chance to make the team. I like him. I like um, him and Davis together. I think uh, they could potentially, potentially, I don't want to, you know, make any, uh, this, this is, wouldn't be something that I make a prediction on. This is really just hopeful thinking and, and just my optimism as a Bills fan. Um, I, I think that him and D- Davis and Hodgins, you know, especially getting the, that mentorship from a Stefan Diggs and a Cole Beasley and now and even Emmanuel Sanders, uh, I think that they could be a tandem to deal with in the future, you know, especially with a six, seven year pro Josh Allen, you know, his, his, uh, quickly, how quickly he develops in his football acumen, being able to, to, you know, throw a ball around with those guys. I think that they, they could be something special potentially. So, uh, we'll see about that. Um, so, yeah. And the third player I wanted to talk to you about was a guy out of the running back room, actually, uh, Antonio Williams, who mm-hmm. came on last year. We, we got to see him in Miami. He looked he looked pretty darn good. So uh, what, do, what do you see in Antonio Williams? Do you see him making a roster, maybe getting some touches this year? 
Uh, what, what's going on in your, your brain about that? I like Antonio Williams a lot. I really do. I think that he played really well in that game against Miami. I think that he was a good special teamer in college. He hasn't really done it in the pros, obviously, because he hasn't been active. But it's going to be an uphill climb for him, right? I think what's going to come down to for Antonio is that either an injury to one of our other three running backs, whether it's Brita, Moss, Singletary, or he actually beats out a guy like Taiwan Jones as a special teamer um, on the roster. Because the Bills, again, like if you go back and look at sort of the history of who they've kept, they've kept four running backs, and that fourth running back has always really been just like a core special teamer. They always keep a special mm-hmm. teamer at that fourth spot. And and honestly, like TJ Yeldon was, on, was not even active really except for a few times last year. So the third running back even doesn't get a lot of runs. So – if Antonio Williams can prove that he can play some good special teams uh, and kind of unseat the Taiwan Jones role, then he could make the team. Um, the other path to him making the team is if, like, for some reason, Brita really just, like, flames out and he's not anything good, which I don't think we think he's – like, we don't think that's going to be the case, but, you know, it could happen. Or – I mean, if something weird happens, like they trade one of the other running backs, which I don't think they will either. But um, for me, the path to the path for for um, Williams to make the team is going to be if he can beat out Taiwan as a special teamer. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you there. I really like Antonio Williams. I, I like his size, his his speed, his burst. Um, it all looked good in Miami, um, so I was really impressed. And um, uh, I'm. I'm rooting for him, so I'm going to kind of see what he does in camp this year. He, he's going to get a chance to prove himself. Uh, and and in a pre, there's, is there a preseason this year? Yeah, three this games. One game, three games, okay. But then he'll definitely get an opportunity to show what he's got. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, speaking of camp, do you think there's going to be any surprise cuts this season? Or, I mean, there definitely are, but, like, who do you think they'll be? Uh, well, one of the surprise, I mean, it's, it shouldn't be a surprise, but one of the surprises is going to come out of the receiver room, right? It's either going to be a guy like Stevenson who doesn't make the team and maybe gets put to put to the practice squad, or it's going to be a McKenzie, someone like that. Um, but I also think one of the surprise cuts could be along that defensive line, right? I mean, we talk about, I, I always talk about sort of how many players the bills have kept at each position as like a guide to tell you what they're going to do. And they've only ever kept nine defensive linemen. They've typically kept five edge rushers and four defensive tackles. So what that tells me, whatever, regardless of whatever you want to label Obata or Rousseau, if you want to label them an edge or whatever, it doesn't matter. They're going to keep nine defensive linemen more, more than likely. And there's going to be someone like an Addison or an Obata or a Vernon Butler or someone like that that's going to get cut that what, we aren't. What are the universe's about. chances that that cut could be Jerry Hughes? I I think they're pretty low. I mean, I again, that's just my opinion. I've I've always going to say who are the locks at uh, who are the locks on the defensive line to make the team right now? It's Jerry Hughes, AJ Epinesa, Rousseau, Basham, Starr. Ed Oliver, that I mean, that's six guys, right? And so, I mean, if you're talking about just that edge, it's AJ Rousseau and Basham. So again, that leaves you 
two roster spots if assuming they keep five edge players. I think Jerry Hughes is going to be one of those guys that makes the team. I just don't I just don't see I just don't see the Bills parting ways with Jerry Hughes. I would see them more likely to part ways with Addison than they would Hughes. Just given that Yeah, I mean, given that how long Hughes has been with the team and like what he brings to the locker room and like he's been he is the longest tenured player on the team. So um it would be I mean look they they cut LaShawn McCoy in favor of Devin Singletary so it's not outside the realm of possibility don't get me wrong but I just you, when you say surprise cuts that would be a surprise cut to me right yeah that that was kind of where I was going with it the LaShawn McCoy cut uh in favor of Singletary uh so okay fine give me one guy who you think might be a surprise cut like like uh, a guy who like people would legitimately be shocked if this person were to be cut. I would say legitimately be shocked. I think, um, I mean, I Harrison Phillips, maybe, I mean, I think Ooh, people, will be, I think that would hurt. Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to get cut, but again, if the bills say like, look, we're going to, we've got too much we need in the edge room. We're gonna keep yeah. six edge, like we're gonna keep six six edge guys. Maybe we're gonna keep Obata as a guy who can flex inside, and we're only gonna keep three defensive tackles. And we know Star and Ed are making the team. And if they decide they want to keep like a guy like Zimmer or Vernon Butler over Harrison Phillips, then there could be there could be a path to where he doesn't make the team. I don't think that's gonna happen, but again, surprise cut, it could be him. Yeah. Uh that's a pretty good answer. I uh, can't be mad at that. Uh, it would definitely hurt if they cut Harry. Um, I, I'm hoping that he can be great one day. Uh, just, just got to get you know an opportunity and get out there. And uh, yeah, I brought, you know, um, I'm sorry, I lost my word. <laughs> just take the opportunity and and uh, you know. So, um, we got through surprise camp. That's, who do you think is a surprise camp breakout star? Mm, I think breakout star. Um, that's a good question, man. I think that, I mean, Dane, Dane Jackson's the easiest answer. So I'll go, I'll stay away from that. Uh, that's an easy answer. Well, this is, this is a camp star. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like a breakout star, but similar to like what a Gabriel Davis was coming out of last year's camp, just a camp I, star. I, I think Hamlin, I think DeMar Hamlin will be a camp okay. star. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be able to play both safety positions in camp. I think he's going to get a lot of reps in camp because Dean Marlowe's gone. The coaching staff hasn't fully trusted Jaquan Johnson in the past. I mean, they've played Dean Marlowe over him in games. So I know Jaquan plays special teams, and I'm a Jaquan Johnson fan going back to when he was drafted, but I could see DeMar Hamlin being a guy that comes in from day one and makes a really strong impression um, and has like a really strong start to camp and the coaches kind of like, you know, raise their eyebrows a bit and go, Hey, like this is what we were hoping for when we drafted this guy. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I like DeMar Hamlin. Um, I'm excited about first, whatever reason um, I'm excited about him and wild Moose, and they're really, really, you know, late round picks, which usually don't even make a team like an AFC championship contending football team. But um, I think that they're particularly skilled. And I think this was a particularly weird year uh, because of COVID. So like you maybe got some good players that fell a little bit, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So 
so yeah, we'll see. I, I think everything's up for grabs this year, honestly. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what those guys can do. And now uh, the breakout star. So if you if you do want to pick Dane Jackson, that is fair game. Uh, you know what? I mean, I want to pick him, but maybe I'll go with <sighs> breakout star, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go with him. I just think we. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I think I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be really fun to watch in camp, and yeah, I me think too. he's gonna. I mean. We heard all the stories about Hamlin and how like him and Dane were like brothers in, in college. And, and it wasn't a surprise that the bills picked Hamlin because of the pedigree with Dane coming from Pitt and sort of what reputation he got uh, there. So for me, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Dane comes out just like totally on fire in camp and just like makes Levi Wallace look just like pedestrian. Like it really wouldn't surprise me yeah. at all. And and honestly, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of reason to like Levi Wallace. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I like him too. But if you're talking about wanting to hope for something to break out at a position, hope for someone to break out a position, it's got to be Dane, right? Because all those people who wanted the CB two early, all the people who were waiting, you know, for that CB two, whether it like. They wanted Richard Sherman to sign, or they wanted Ify Milanfamu in the draft. Like they are now like turning their attention to Dane Jackson and saying, like, okay, Dane, like the show is yours. Now you gotta like prove that um you can take this job, right? So yeah, I think and that, that was a great point you made earlier about how they didn't draft a guy, they didn't go out and sign a guy. So obviously, you know, they know more than we do, but Mm-hmm. They they must believe in somebody on that roster, and from the outside looking in, there's nobody that we can really see that they have a lot of belief in other than Dane Jackson, because those that's the guy who we see performing on the field, you know. Uh, so I, I think that was a really good point. I didn't think about it that way. Exactly. So I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I mean, uh, I'm definitely rooting for him. I hope you know. I hope it works out for him because. I was one of those guys who wanted, who wanted that CB too. So I'm definitely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right. Just uh, have a couple more questions for you. I'm not going to try to take up too much of your time. Um, so this is a question that I ask everybody who comes on the pod, just uh, some predictions. Um, what do you think the Buffalo Bills record will be during this 17 game season? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think, I mean, Vegas has them at 10 and a half. I think they're going to be over that. I think they're going to win. I think, I I think they're going to win 12 or 13 games this year. Um, I do think there's some tougher games on the schedule than maybe we're, um, we're letting on. I think like the Washington games tougher than people maybe realize. I think the Falcons game might be tougher than people want to admit. Um, and so, I mean, there are some tough games. And, but I think this team is so loaded that it would be a surprise if they won like anything less than 12 games, honestly. And on top of that, like they, they have that bad taste in their mouth right after that AFC championship game last year. And so all McDermott obviously kind of stress that this last season doesn't, doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter going into this season 
the team is going to I mean the team is going to act as if like this is like they've got to do better this year. So I think that right. there's going to be there's still going to be motivation. There's going to be a lot of motivation and I think that it'll come through with at least 12 or 13 wins. So I'll say you know if I'm going to predict right now I'll say I'll, I'll just say 12 and 5 conservatively. I'm sure I'll bump that up as I get closer to the season, but we'll say minimum 12. Minimum 12. All right. That's reasonable. So is that with an AFC championship? AFC what? East, I'm sorry, championship? Oh, yeah. You have to. You have to win the East. Have to win the okay. East. I mean, um, all those other three teams, you know, outside of Miami are going likely going to go with new quarterbacks at some point during the season, right? Wilson's probably going to, Wilson is going to start from day one mm-hmm. TBD, whether Mac Jones starts from day one, probably not. Um, and Tua going into his second year, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't overly impressive at, in year one. So you I mean the bills have to th- be thinking AFC East on the, uh, you know, AFC East on the mind. Yeah, you never know. The Dolphins may go with a new quarterback too. <laughs> they, they might bring in Jacoby Brissett. So <laughs> that's, oh that's, God. uh, that's one of my predictions. Um, but all right. Uh, so final question. Obviously, you know, my Twitter at name is Josh Allen 17 MVP. So I kind of have no choice, but I have to get your 17 game forecast for Josh Allen statistically. Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me this. So I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, <laughs> let's just, maybe we just like recap how amazing his season was last year before we get the prediction. So 4,500 plus passing yards last year, 37 passing TDs, 10 picks. He had, was only sacked 26 times. Uh, rushing, he only, he actually only ran for 421 yards last year, which is his lowest yet, but he still had eight rushing TDs. And he had the receiving TD, which is pretty sweet. So um, that put him at 40. What is that? That's nine plus. So 46 total touchdowns. Um, I'll say I'll say he's in the neighborhood of 42 to 44 total touchdowns. Uh, I'll say he hits 4,500 passing yards again. And I'll say 30. 35 passing TDs, nine interceptions. I think he's going to be very similar to last year. I don't think, like, I know, I know, Justice, I know you've been, like, all about Josh Allen, 5,000 yards. I know it. I know you, I know. I just, I just, I, I, I can't go there yet. I, I mean, if he does it, uh, I'll be so happy. Trust me. But I'll say, like, honestly, if he does this, if he puts up the same type of numbers he did last year, is anyone going to be upset? I don't think they will. That's still a win. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say uh, my prediction is that he'll have similar numbers as last year, maybe slightly fewer touchdowns, like only, a, only like two or three less. Okay. I respect it. I'm, I'm, you know, I know that I'm a, a homer sometimes and although I do believe in my predictions and I do believe that, you know, they're based on, you know, good logic. <laughs> I, I, I call myself a, a, a I, I call myself using theoretical logic. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I just, I see, you know, with the, he had a bum shoulder a couple of weeks last year, a couple of games where it was like, 
40 mile per hour winds almost or whatever. Uh, then, you know, there was a couple games where he missed some easy throws where like, uh, for instance, the Gabe Davis throw, that's like a kind of, you know, versus the Rams where it's kind of like a popular play where Gabe catches on the sideline. If Josh hits that throw, there's 40 extra yards attached to that play where it's a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if Josh hits, uh, Stefan Diggs on the corner route versus the Raiders where he threw that that jump ball. Mm-hmm. You know, Diggs could have scored. You know what I mean? So it's just a, a couple of things I think that he wasn't very good at last year that I think he's going to fix this year. So my prediction comes from Josh going at the same trajectory as far as development. So, it's, again, it's kind of just like theoretical logic, you know. So. Um, I don't blame you for for feeling out because, like I said, again, if he does have similar stats to last year, it is still a W. You know, what I mean, we're an AFC champ, AFC uh, championship team. Hopefully, this year, you know, I, I'll take less stats if it means that he's you know more matured and they figure out how to get over the hump. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So, absolutely, I am fine with that. But I really, really appreciate your time, Mr. Tilton. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to let people know once again where they can follow you. Yeah, so I'm at Tilt Money on Twitter and Instagram. Um, for those who are into Instagram stuff, I am on there a little bit with the edits. And I'm on Twitter uh, at Tilt Money and obviously from the Buffalo Fanatics uh, content network and Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. So you can find me on there. And I would just want to say again, man, thanks for having me. It was a really good conversation. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for joining. You know, I def- we definitely got to do this again soon. Um, please give him a follow. Uh, again, those edits are incredible. Uh, thank you so much for joining. And thank you guys for your continued support and for giving us a listen. Uh, this has been Justice, and this is the Built in Buffalo Network. Uh, thanks, guys.